Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Here's what's in stock for you for this week on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Well, the Lions just ate 40 points. And right off the bat, we're going to be talking about where that Lions game plan just went wrong again. How Aaron Rodgers carved up and Aaron Jones really too carved up this team again. And we start looking at the defense and realizing nobody's really stepping up and there's really nothing this defense is doing right. Part two, if you want to skip ahead, Ryan Matthews, he's going to ask us just he wants to know how good or bad the Packers really are. They might not be the quality opponents that, you know, people think or maybe you're even playing against two of the best teams in the NFC North early season. Kind of hard to tell. I'm going to dive into how much role injuries are playing for the Lions right now, and then we're going to get into the roster, its shortcomings. And yes, even Matthew Stafford had some faults on Sunday. Finally, in part three, in our showdown, all three of us are taking a deep dive in our frustrations with Coach Matt Patricia, where his team is even going from here, and if he can stave off the hot seat pressure cooker closing in on him. Thanks for downloading the podcast. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. I tell you, every week you know where to find us on Twitch and also on YouTube on the next day, later in the day, Pride of Detroit, search for Pride of Detroit on YouTube, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit to catch us live 7 p.m. Eastern after every Lions game when they are at 1 p.m. like this last one was. And if you're watching us live on Twitch, you might catch a glimpse of my orange, my fat orange tabby, Ruby, who, as Jeremy Reisman, our fearless leader at Detroit Online, pointed out when Ruby was first on camera that he wishes he could be that cat right now, just sleeping on his side, head down on the stone cold uh, uh, tile floor in my apartment. Yeah. Jeremy, this isn't good day. Either either Ruby or Natalie and Brulia are are my spirit animals today. I just want to lying just want to be lying naked on the floor. That that's about it. Oh, okay. That's not an image I needed. Thank you. I by the way am Chris Perfett, your Chris Perfett, your adequate host at Chris Perfett P-E-R-F-E-T-T on Twitter, where I appreciate all Lions fans right now. It is not fun. Uh, I appreciate that everyone is handling this one very well that in in relative terms and I think we've all hit that acceptance stage right now it it wasn't great last week it's not getting any better this week but you know what we'll all pull through it and we're gonna have some fun which is what we do on the Pride of Detroit POD cast now let me introduce the third man the Shawn Michaels as it were Ryan Matthews Back is the mother- at Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan, what's up, buddy? 
I'm just finishing up this 40 burger that Aaron Rodgers put on the grill and put into our mouths. We all had to eat. It's going to give you indigestion. Was it really put up the mouth, though? Don't do this. I feel like this is a PG-13. This is a PG-13 podcast. (laughs) That's just counter. That's just counterproductive. I don't know. I mean, it's an it's just a it's just an enema. Okay, so we were served a 40 burger enema by Aaron Rodgers. Perfect. That's what we need to name this podcast. The 40 (laughs) burger enema courtesy of Aaron Rodgers. This podcast is going to start with an enema and end with a B enema. <laughs> All right. Wow. <laughs> wow. Like a forecast of things to come from your fearless leader at Detroit on Lion. We have a lot to get into to break down li- the debacle that was Lions at Packers. And look, this is a weird week around the NFL. Um, I'm currently watching. Well, Kansas City looks like they might be coming back in it. I don't like giving live updates on here, but. I there there's no other way to describe what happened in Lambeau Field other than just damn ugly for the Detroit Lions. And you can post out your stats all you want about 0 and 2 teams trying to make the playoffs. All I'm going to say is I'm I'm quoting I'm quoting the old the senior Jim Mora with playoffs. Hey, you just need to win a dang game at this point. Lions are not looking good in every facet of the game. I understand the temptation is just to tune out. I hope you guys will continue to listen to Pride of Detroit POD cast just because we're going to try to inform you, entertain you, and hopefully be a, be a balm in trying times. Isn't that, is that what we should be Ryan? Just, just something you can spread on your, on your rear and soothe the pain. We really need to get away from like that end of the spectrum. We're really, we've really gone Freudian here. Yeah, yeah, yeah this, we're really dipping our toes in this, but uh, I don't think that there's any better way to start the podcast, to be honest, because this just <laughs> felt like the worst, the worst. A spanking. Yeah, it felt like a spanking. Final score, 42 Packers, Detroit Lions, 21. Jeremy... Technically, it happened. Technically, the Lions blew a double-digit lead in this game. Yeah, and but that was a, a mirage. Yeah, I, I think that that's drawn a lot of attention, and we even wrote an article on it because it's happened literally four games in a row. But, um, you know, I, I thought to myself before this game happened because I did think the two most likely outcomes of this game were the Lions hold close, Packers pull out in a win, or the Packers just blow out the Lions. And I was thinking to myself, which one would hurt more after, you know, losing a close one to the Bears. And I think I think they're completely different kinds of hurt, right? Because, yes, it would be painful if the Lions had kept this one close, lost one. And we'd we'd be playing the same game we played last year where it's like, oh, well, this team could have been 2-0. They're 0-2, but they could be 2-0. This kind of hurt, though, is a like no hope kind of hurt where it's just like you look at this game, you look at the results of this game and, and yes, the Lions got out to a 14, three lead and yes, the offense looked good to start the game. But after that, there was nothing, there was literally nothing to get excited about. The defense has somehow gone into depths of hell worse than where they were last year, which I, I think we can all agree. Didn't, we didn't really think that was possible. We thought last year was the, the bottom was rock bottom for this defense. And so far it's somehow worse offense Matthew Stafford makes another critical mistake running game just is non-existent because they're down three scores and you know I, I think they're, they're missing their big play potential we saw a bunch of big plays from this offense last year we haven't seen that many 
from them this year. Maybe the many maybe they're missing Kenny Kenny Galladay, but whatever it is, this Lions team was absolutely lifeless in the second half, and it's hard to look beyond these first two weeks and, and see any anything bright on the horizon. It's it's ugly out there. Justice, the founder of my fabric move, to rear me was the task of power divine, supremest wisdom and primeval lore. Before me, things create were none, save things eternal and internal I endure. Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Yeah. Yeah, the lines are bad. Yeah, they're bad. They're real bad. And they're in their, <laughs> they're in their own personal hell for sure. <clears throat> yeah, that's Inferno. Uh, this was bad in all three stages of the game. And that's what kind of blew me away. We're going to get a little bit into Matt Stafford later. Matt Stafford, I think if we were hoping for an MVP season out of him, which is like we all said, and we knew it was an impossibility when we said Stafford basically had to play a perfect, an immaculate season for the Lions to have a chance. This was not a game where that immaculate season really carried over. But at the same time, the defense is not looking good. Like, we knew this defense was going to be bad. We just thought it was going to maybe improve from 31st or 30th last year. Not quite so. We're going to talk about the injuries in the secondary, but not only do we have injuries in the secondary, that front seven just can't do anything against, against didn't do anything all day against the Packers. Special teams was up and down. Prater missed a field goal, which now makes two in a row, two games in a row for him with a missed field goal. Jack Fox, the punter, looking good, looking good. But that's all you can really write home about. And if you can only write home about a punter, then uh, we've got problems. The Packers, the Packers did what I, I appreciate in the NFL. And I hate to give any kind of respect to people from Wisconsin, but the Packers did what I appreciate in the NFL because they got they looked at the lead the lions put on them they didn't blink they came back busted down the door and then stepped on the neck of the lions <laughs> between putting up 14 before the half and then a touchdown right after the half you you want to know what happened after that touchdown after the half after that Aaron Jones touchdown they didn't sit on their laurels they didn't start trying to burn clock and doing run run and doing run play after run play, they pressed that boot down harder, harder until the Lions couldn't even breathe. Their defense stepped up, and then their and then their offense just kept going yard. Aaron Rodgers didn't need to let up at all in that game. They didn't need to sit back and suddenly go to you know, Jamal Williams or AJ Dillon for rushing. No, they just kept pounding. They kept pounding. That's how they get a 42 point lead. That's how you bury a team. Matt, Patricia, take notes. We're going to talk about you soon, but take notes. That's what you're supposed to do when you have a lead. You're not supposed to sit on a three point lead, and say, okay, everything's right. And Rosie, everything's cool. I feel good about this. No, you bury them. You know what happens when you score another touchdown? You don't get penalized for showing up a team. You make them get force them to score another seven points to keep up with you. And it's something the Lions apparently don't know how to do, along with not getting any defensive stops, along with just the entire defense looking really bad on the day. Uh, it, it, in, with, with everything else, we will 
I can't even find bright spots right now. I, <clears throat> I mentioned Jack Fox. I'll maybe mention carry on Johnson. This team suddenly remembering that carry on Johnson maybe exists, but even then that's kind of faint praise at this point for carry on. This is, this, this is a disaster. Kyler Murray looks good and the Cardinals are up next. And that bye week is, is looming closer. And that's not going to spell well for the Lions right now. I think the most frustrating part of this game for me was that the way things went in the first quarter, everything was lined up for the Lions to run their game plan. Their game plan, and, and they did in the first quarter. It's to string out possessions. It's to run the ball a ton. I think they ran the ball, I want to say, 12 times, 11 times in the first quarter alone. Like That's what they want to be. They want to run a lot of clock, especially in this game where you don't want Aaron Rodgers to have the ball too much. So they're with the lead. They, they've they got the running game going pretty well early in this game. If they can just spread that out through fourth quarters, that's great. But unfortunately, didn't work out that way. Their defense couldn't stop a thing. When the offense had a chance to maybe extend their lead to two scores at the end of the half, they choked and then compounded just mistake after mistake. And, and yes... Coaching is going to be the number one focus, I think, of, of fans t- today and all of this week because, I mean, it should be. This, this defense looks like garbage in year three. That can't happen with a defensive-minded head coach. But the players didn't help themselves. Odeyabushi took one really stupid penalty for hitting a guy after the game. Then he took another one that really cost lines at least four points by taking a holding penalty on that two-minute drill that stopped the clock instead of running an extra 40 seconds off the clock. You, you look at special teams, penalty on Jamal Agnew. You look at defense, couple penalties against Manny Oruarie. I mean, the players are not helping their coaching staff out at all. This team is just bad right now, and no one is stepping up. No one. Not Matthew Stafford, not Marvin Jones, not TJ Hawkinson, not Jeff Okuda. There is not a single guy on this roster who is stepping up to, to make – any sort of plays to to off count all the mistakes that are being made because they're being mistakes make they're being mistakes made across the board and yes it's September football with no off season everything's going to be sloppy but it's not looking so sloppy on the other side of that sideline Packers aren't looking so sloppy in year two of that offense and let's be, let's give credit to the Packers they have now vanquished two NFC North defenses one that was supposed to be very good one that was hopefully going to be better but very clearly isn't. This Packers team is for real. I, I mean, it, maybe I'm overreacting to two weeks, but regardless, the Lions are, are very clearly not for real, and I don't I don't know how they pull themselves out of it. I, on one hand, I, I I mostly agree with you. I'll let Ryan speak in a second. I I agree with you that the players aren't doing much. Like, I mean, Will Harris was really bad today. Like he we we saw him give up. Just he disappeared from the field after he gave up that that touchdown in the third quarter. But like I, I was watching Daryl Roberts. He's not even getting his hands up to, to like stop Jones. Like there's, there's just so much going on here. But on the other hand, this wash is bad. This is what you, we mentioned year three. This is what the coaching staff wanted to have together. This is their vision at this point. Like you, you, you bought your groceries. So uh, Ryan, yeah, your, your immediate <clears throat> impression from this game. Yeah. I mean, Bob Quinn did buy all the groceries and it seems like it was a lot of expired goods. I mean, Danny Shelton is who we thought he was just average. Jamie Collins for some reason was worse playing in a game where he was actually there. Like he was, 
he was like a net negative after getting suspended or after getting ejected out of last game. And then all of a sudden he shows up. I, the The thing that was the most maddening to me, and Jeremy already touched on it, but that first quarter, the Lions had their identity. They had 60 rushing yards in the first quarter. You know how many they had the rest of the game? Granted, they were playing from behind, but they had 29. Like, it was, it was just yeah. rough. Like, once the Lions got pulled out of their game, and this is something that I mentioned on first bite, like, once the Lions lost the game of possessions it was over it was over that that sequence at the end of the at the end of the second half and the first play of the second or the first play of the second half it was it was over it was it was just it was done um i think that aaron jones run is going to be so symbolic of this defense and the stamp that matt patricia the the odorous stamp he's going to leave on this team because I mean, Jamie Collins gets washed out of the play. Jared Davis gets washed out of the play. Nobody can, nobody can stack and shed a block. Will Harris misses a tackle. It, it, I mean, there was somebody who had the audacity, and uh, our, our former staff member, Kent Lee Platty, he brought it up in our, in our Slack page, but there was somebody who mentioned that Bob Quinn was one of the smartest GMs and had some of the best drafts. It's really clear that Bob Quinn's draft picks have been horrendous. 7.4 yards per play for the Packers. 7.4 yards per play. Goodness gracious. Yeah. And I mean, that has to be the most disappointing part of this team right now is the run defense. It's completely unacceptable. It's a focus. It is what this team is supposed to be about, running the ball and stopping the run. You said it, 259 yards on the ground today. 259 yards. Ridiculous. You go back yeah. to last week, it was just as bad. The it, only it reason, was just as bad. The only reason the Bears didn't run the ball more is because they were losing. Yeah. For 149 I, yards, 5.3 carry last week. Yeah, and I know you said 7.4 yards per carry, but it was also 7.4 yards per play, just straight oh. up. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Bad, I mean, bad, if bad. If you're drop, I mean, you can even take out that Aaron Jones play, and he's still averaging over five yards a carry in this game. That's unacceptable. And... I, I like what what do you want look what is there to change what is in Detroit that or what what's not in Detroit that Matt Patricia needs because he got his nose tackle that that fits his scheme better in Danny Shelton over over snacks he got two he got his his linebacker his veteran linebacker that can help teach the young guys he got his draft pick last year in Jelani Tavai he got his cornerback his man physical cornerback in Jeff Okuda he got his safety that, that plays center field well in Deron Harmon. What more pieces do you need to put this puzzle together to make a defense that can even compete? The last time I saw a defense this bad was 2008. <laughs> 2008. Three. We know what happened then, right? It was the last time yeah. the lost 11 in a row, which is where they're at right now. And that's where we're yeah, at. We're, we're coming up on 11 months since the Lions have won a game. Like, just let that sink in. October 27th of 2019 was the last time the Lions won a game. You you bring up the defense, not even just on allowing all these yards, too, but, like, just, God, no pressure whatsoever. Three QB hits on the day. One of those, one of those belongs to Tracy Walker, a safety. Like, what what, what are you... I, I, I know that the... The front seven had problems. I know coming out of the gate, we said, okay, there's just not going to be a lot of pressure on the quarterback. But this is, 
just you're you're running you you've invented whatever the coaching staff has invented whether it's their plan or not or if it's just dealing with what they've got whatever they've invented here runs counter to modern football i'm sorry it does it runs counter the defense is running counter to modern football in that you're just not maybe you're just not good to compete against the the offensive line for the packers and the bears maybe that's it maybe that's it maybe maybe you're just playing really good offensive lines i doubt it though I really doubt it. It just doesn't look like you're just not going to get home. And I, I understand Rodgers is elusive, but this is the big boy league. <laughs> There's more and more elusive quarterbacks by the year coming into this league. You, you, you better start getting ready to start. You can't say, oh, yeah, but Aaron Rodgers is hard to pin down. Guess what? Kyler Murray's hard to pin down. He's coming up next Sunday. And guess what? Like, that's the way the NFL is going. Evolve or die evolve or die don't just sit there and pine for the 1980s for smash mouth football that's what old ass bears fans do when they talk about when they talk about their old coaches and their old players evolve or die you've not evolved and it's just the start of a season and it doesn't look like this defense is going to evolve at all is like is there a more telling sign of any of that than julian aquara being inactive today now, unless, yeah, what the hell? Unless there's an injury or an illness or, or something un, unheard of that, that that we don't know yet, their third round draft pick, they're maybe their best pass rusher, or at least in terms of pure skill and speed and and pass rush moves. Inactive, healthy, scratched. someone who I thought was going to be the rookie of the year. And you know, you know why they did that? I can tell you why. Because Matt Patricia believes in containment, believes in good edge rushers who can defend the run as well. Well, guess what? The Lions didn't do today. They didn't defend the run at all. Guess what they also didn't do? Get to Aaron Rodgers. Guess what else they didn't do? Contain Aaron Rodgers. He had several throws he made outside of the pocket. So what are we doing here? Are we just going to have Christian Jones repeat his performance, repeat Devon Kennard's performance from last year and just deal with really crappy edge defenders that can't really defend the run or rush the passer? They just stand there for 50 straight hours a week? Like, what are we doing? There's, there's no adjustment. We're shuffling the names yeah, the names are different, but they're basically playing the exact same football that they were last year. The scheme doesn't work. As you said, this is not a modern-day defense that seems to work. And, and I mean, you, you rattle through all these draft picks. You, you start to wonder, is Bob Quinn a bad drafter or is Matt Patricia a bad developer? Maybe the answer is both, but something's not working. Everything's not Ryan, working. Fi- Ryan, final word to you before we got to go to break. I think what's so eerie, and Jeremy just hit on it about Julian Aquara being a healthy scratch. Think about, like, the writing was on the wall all the way back to the first season when Matt Patricia healthy scratched Ashawn Robinson. And we were all just kind of like, hmm, maybe Ashawn Robinson isn't a fit for the Lions defense. And then all of a sudden he balled out for the rest of the season. Like, are, are these head games that Patricia's playing? Like, is it one of those things where it's like you have to, like, earn your time? No, the Lions need pass rush help. They've needed it for the past five, six seasons, and they just haven't supplemented it. They haven't done it in the draft. They haven't done it in free agency. It's it's embarrassing. Instead, they're spending second-round picks on running backs. They, they, can't even, they can't even get, uh, you know, Logan Stenberg up to speed to have him playing guard when you have Ode Ibushi out there who's – he had a penalty declined on him. He had that awful personal foul penalty. You got Will Harris who took – two awful penalties. I, it's just, it's 
I don't know. It, it's all bad. It all stinks. It's all rotting. I don't know if we. I don't know if the Boston boys see the other side of the bye week. That I think is what we're going to talk about in the third part of this show. Uh, unless you want to talk about it right next, we got to do some thinking during the break here because I also want to talk about the role that injuries are playing. I had a great conversation with a former NFL offensive lineman about just how pervasive injuries are. But I also think that's not much of an excuse for the Lions. We're going to do break that down here a little bit. Uh, we also need to finally talk about Stafford. I know we've kind of always been saying Stafford isn't the problem. I kind of agree he's not the problem, but he definitely wasn't the solution on Sunday. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to take your questions here during the break. If you are watching live, once again, if you're listening on the podcast, twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. You can be part of a live studio audience watching me, Jeremy, and Ryan melting down in real time. Not only that, we had a great post-game show, too, with myself, Jeremy, Mansour Shaheen, and John Whitaker as well, where it just, it's it's flop sweat all over the place. We're going to take this break. We will be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us. It's a rough year, but we're going to make sure you guys see it through in style. Welcome back to the Pride to Detroit POD cast. A somber one here as the Lions have been laid low by the Packers and that dreaded 0-2 stat comes out again for teams making the NFL playoffs and all like, A, that's kind of bogus now in the age of a third play, uh, wild card, but B, I'm still not trusting the Lions to do anything. C, playoffs? Playoffs? But Ryan, you, you had you had something you wanted to share with the class. I have a question for the class. Okay. And the thing is, is that I just want the point to be taken home. Now, the, the the lifeless, unresponsive corpse that is the 2020 Detroit Lions season has been rolled into the coffin. And we've done a couple of hammer, uh, hammer knocks to all of the nails. However, I want us to drive the nails into that aforementioned coffin because what if, what if, what if... The Lions just played two really good football teams. What if okay. the two and O Chicago Bears are quote unquote for real? I mean, we we think we think the we think the Green Bay Packers are one hundred percent for real. I do. I Here's, actually do. I think the Packers okay. are in a really good spot. I think that offense is going to be deadly all season. I feel like they're finally clicking on what they want to be. But you can't tell me the two and O Bears deserve to be two and O. You can't well, tell I, me that's a good team. Yeah, they beat up on the Giants. Can't tell me that's a good team. Okay, there's they barely they, survived the Giants. I, I'm saying, I'm saying clearly the Packers are probably going to be the toast of the NFC North. I mean, with the way that, and and I've never been so sure of something through two weeks. The Bears might stick around and they might end up as a wild card team. Okay, maybe maybe they hang around on some good luck. They get to play the Lions again. They get to play the Vikings. Still, so my. Just just my initial reaction is, yes, the Lions are very, very bad. I just need to know how bad they are when they play against some of these other teams after the bye. Like when they play the Jacksonville Jaguars, who actually put up a pretty good fight against the Tennessee Titans, or, you know, I want to see them play some of these other teams like the Carolina Panthers, who seem like 
also like really kind of bad. So I just need to know how bad the Lions are and if we can totally for sure write them off after two weeks. Okay. Here's what I'm going to say. Looking at the schedule ahead, I don't want to do, I don't want to break down every game, but looking at the schedule ahead through, let's say through till Thanksgiving against the Texans, not including the Texans, I could see them being having only one or two wins. That one win coming maybe against the Falcons, either Falcons or Jaguars, and the second win maybe against the Washington football teams. Team, the Falcons. I don't see the those... Falcons might put up fifty points on the Lions. I watched. Yeah. I watched that game against the Cowboys today, and they got to 30, <laughs> they got to thirty nine in a hurry. Yeah, by by the end of October, I think the Falcons are taking enough losses they'll be deflated. But either way, like. The Jaguars aren't going to roll over for you. And Gardner Minshew is absolutely a quarterback who will throw in the Lions, and the Lions somehow will not have an idea of what to do about well, it. Well, Washington is hapless. Minshew will throw all over the Lions defense because he has one thing that you need to be a quarterback that can throw against the Lions, and that's a pulse. He's got yeah. that. So he he, he fits he fits, he, he fits all of the the one qualification of being alive. Um He's got Moxie the, the, and a mustache. <laughs> The the one the one thing I can go back to to even give like a tiny tiny the tiniest glimmer of hope is the 2018 season because flip the results let's say the Lions played the Packers first then the Bears second so then you've got almost an identical start to the season than you did in 2018 you get blown out by the Jets at home you lose a, a close one to the 49ers that you probably could have or should have won oh and two what happens the next week they host New England get a, a, an, un, an unlikely win. Then they lose one to, to the Cowboys, another close one, beat the Packers, come back, beat the Dolphins, out of the bye, they're 3-3. Three and three. Now, if that's where the story ends, then maybe I would feel pretty good about maybe the Lions turning things around. Unfortunately, that's not where the story ends. The Lions go on to lose, what, uh, you know, seven out of the, the, the final ten games or so. But... The season is young. If if there is some sort of bounce back year, maybe that's what Matt Patricia draws some inspiration from. Uh, you know, just a god awful start to the year. They come back, win three out of the next four games, and are back in the thick of things. I just don't know. When you look at this specific team, you look at this 2020 team. Where is the optimism? Where is the hope? Other than maybe a running game, which that I mean, we're we're in 2020 football. How how excited can you get about a running game, especially? especially when you have a defense that's so bad, you're going to be playing from behind all the time and not being able to run the ball. I do want to address, I, I agree with everything Jeremy's saying. I do want to address, because I almost I feel like I almost got away from it before hitting this point with, with Ryan. I do have some reservations about our NFC North rivals that we have lost to now in the first two weeks. Uh, I think everyone can understand my reservations on the Bears right now. Mitch Trubisky is a mirage. That is not good. He is like they've beaten up on teams that like the, the, the Giants almost did to the Bears. The Bears did to the Lions last week. And with it, without for, Saquon Barkley, by the way, without Saquon Barkley, as for the Green Bay Packers, the one thing I noticed from a lot of film Twitter when they weren't screaming and crying like infants that they didn't get their all 22 film in time was that everyone was pointing out how bad Minnesota's defense looked in week one. Now that could be week one. 
That could be Aaron Rodgers is just dunking on you. But at the same time, I also have questions about the Packers. The good news is, or I should say ungood news, is that we'll probably learn very quickly who the Packers are because they suddenly run through that NFC South gauntlet while we're dealing with everything else. They're at the Saints next week. Then they're playing the Falcons. Then they're at the Buccaneers. Then they play the Texans. Those are some good defenses in there. Or at least on paper, there's some good defenses in there. I, 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 I see Jeremy's like lip twitching a little bit. It's at least, I would say, league average. At least I have a benchmark at that point, is what I am saying. It's not just like a row of bad defenses, you know? So all I'm saying is I got the, the jury. I'm more inclined to believe that against the Packers, but jury is still out. Jury is absolutely still out. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. I, the Packers just, if you look at their performance through two weeks, I don't see a lot of weaknesses on that team. Their defense has been good for most of each game, maybe given up some some late garbage time touchdown in, in, in both games. But And that offense, man, like, where's where's the weakness? Like, the, the offensive line is supposed to be really the weak part of that team, and neither the Vikings nor the Lions could exploit that. And they, they ran the ball down both those teams' throats. So, yeah. I, I do think that Packers offense is for real, and it, it's something that that's gonna probably propel them to yet another division title this year. Yeah, and then probably bomb out again in the in the playoffs because I mean, who do they throw to? Is like Aaron. All they've got is Aaron Jones. Jones, Devontae Adams so we'll too. See. Assuming his hamstring Devon, injury Devon, isn't too bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, that actually dovetails nicely into what I want to talk about: is the amount of of hamstring injuries out there right now. Um, I talked with a uh, offensive line, former offensive lineman for the for the then Oakland Raiders, Lincoln Kennedy. I, I do a radio show with him on Saturday mornings, uh, and we had a disagreement as far as preseason. In that, I believe because play looked decent, I thought I thought play looked decent in Week One of the NFL, and I was arguing that it kind of will hasten the death of the preseason. But Kennedy countered me, and I, I, it, it changed my mind, and it opened me up to this possibility. Kennedy countered me with that a lot of the reasons why we're getting so many soft tissue injuries and hamstring injuries is because of the lack of a preseason. Now, you don't need it for a lot of your skill guys, but for the big guys out there, for the guys who do need to kind of get into football shape, jumping into the season, not having those, those real snaps does from the preseason does hurt you. Now, I would argue, I, I tried to argue with him, we ran out of time, but I was arguing with him like, okay, yeah, the, the offensive, the first team offensive line stays in those preseason games a little longer than the quarterback, but how much longer really? But either way, the point remains is that without a preseason, we are starting to see some inju- we're starting to see some injuries, and the Lions have had their their bugaboo share of them. You know, they without true, we, we went into this game without three starters. Without Desmond Trufant, without Kenny Galladay, and without uh, oh my God, why am I blanking on the third name? Uh, I mean, Joe were... Dahl, Joe Dahl, who's on the in- who's who's now on the IR. Yeah, I mean, there's but, there's I mean, there's technically two more guys. You know, Justin Coleman is also on the IR, and Halapuli yes, Vativaitai. Yeah, he's been there. Yeah, Halapuli Vativaitai was on. So two starters on the offensive line, one on the defensive line, two in in the defensive backfield. And 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 then your your top wide receiver, Jeff Okuda. Jeff see, Okuda went yeah. through a hamstring injury in, in training camp. I mean, yeah, 
I mean, tr- injuries are, are something that every single team is dealing with. It's not an excuse for the lines, but yeah, it, to your overall point that, yeah, without a preseason, without a proper mini camp with OTAs, we're 100% seeing more soft tissue injuries. Matt Patricia's talked yeah, about it already uh, plenty too. I'm glad I talked to Kenny because coming into this, I was going to bring up the idea that it just feels like this is a repeat of every other year we've had recently where it just feels like the Lions start the season and they're almost immediately ha- hamstrung. Excuse my pun, not intended, but they are. I can't even I can't use any other term here. I wanted to say hobble, but that's not right either. I, damn it, Jeremy. I'm in a pit the, like the, the, the Lions always seem when they start the year in the past few seasons to be down some players and a few starters because of injuries. And it always seems to be, it's not a full excuse, but it seems to always be a factor in the early seasons when we're talking about the Lions. It's like, yeah, they're just not healthy. I, I, and, I think but, it's yeah. especially a big problem during this regime's tenure, though, speci- specifically Bob Quinn, just because they haven't been able to create any depth. And without any depth and without... I mean, even standout players at quite a few positions as starters. I mean, the proof is just in the pudding. The poor performance on the field is just compounded with, do the Lions lose that Bears game if, you know, they don't sustain all those injuries to their cornerbacks and they have Tony McRae out there who was never meant to do anything other than play special teams? I, I don't know. But what I do know is that Bob Quinn has just been totally incapable of creating depth on this roster. And we all know how much depth matters in the NFL. doesn't matter if there's a, you know, it doesn't matter if there's four weeks of preseason and a full training camp or the situations surrounding the season are happening. Like the best ability is availability. And I will always stick to that. I'm honestly, I don't think depth is hurting this team right now. I think just the lack of good starters. I mean, you look at the, uh, yeah. you look at the defense right now. The front seven is pretty much un, untouched by injuries. That was the big claim last year, right? Like we had Trey Flowers was, was coming into the season injury injured. Mike Daniels was. Everyone on that defensive front was going through something. Snacks, Snacks was going through an injury. Jared Davis suffered an injury early in the season. None of that is happening. Like Nick Williams is the one exception. Nick Williams isn't on. You know, didn't play today. But Deshaun Hands healthy. Romeo Quar is healthy. I mean, just basically everyone on that front seven is healthy and ready to go. And yes, the back seven is going through some things, but that's not what's killing this defense as much. It's killing this defense, but not as much. We, we just talked about how this run defense is just getting imploded every single week. What's the excuse there? There's no top-end talent. That's the excuse. There's, there's no playmaker at any level right now. And we thought there might be with Trey Flowers with Jamie Collins, with either Jeff Okuda or or Tracy Walker. And they're, they're not even starting Tracy Walker. So I guess he's not a playmaker. So who's the playmaker on defense right now? Is there one? Is there one? Is there a single one? Deron Harmon? Deron Harmon? Is that what you got? A guy that... No, Deron that, Harmon's a solid player, but he's not making plays for you. And and he's, he shouldn't be asked to be the one who's making plays for you as a damn safety. And, and, and we talked about all the playmakers all offseason that the Lions have on offense. And whether it's Stafford's fault, whether it's it's the play calling's fault, we haven't seen enough big plays there either. We haven't seen enough big plays. TJ Hawkinson has been fine, but we haven't seen any big plays from him. You know, Marvin Jones got his, his first touchdown, but he hasn't taken over like a true number one receiver would in Kenny Galladay's absence. Yeah. 
The one other thing I want to mention is that I think it's unfair to heap blame on Stafford so far through two games, although he's been bad. Like I don't, he is. This is where I wanted to go. This is where I wanted to go. So yeah, continue. And so, but where, where I'm at with Stafford right now is I think that the, the, the margin for error with this offense is so razor thin that if Stafford takes a bad sack or if Stafford makes one bad throw and it ends up being a pick six or it ends up being a costly interception that sets the other team up with good field position, that's, that's curtains for the, for the game. So, I mean, his margin of error is so razor thin and it's a bummer to hold him to a higher standard, but we've seen him play out of his mind and that's what this team is going to need. And I don't think that's news to anybody. I don't, I don't think that that's something shocking going into the season because, yes, the Lions have playmakers on their team, but, like, Danny Amendola is a playmaker to what extent? Like, TJ Hawkinson has proved to us that he is a playmaker to what extent? I mean, my... Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying some of, the, some of the ancillary pieces that people are counting to, to have this offense be humming on all, on all cylinders, and I don't want to be dumb, but Kenny Galladay out. Marvin Jones, I mean, yeah, he had a touchdown catch today the the backfield pieces that are put together Stafford is the straw that stirs the drink and if he's not stirring it's just going to all fall apart not just offensively but the entire team in the second half of this game Marvin Jones and TJ Hawkinson combined for one catch for four yards solid but Jeremy, I think that I, also that, real quick I think that also comes back to your point about like do is this is this Daryl Bevel not turning things up or is this or is this Stafford? If if it isn't turning things up now is the time. But like I I I do think Stafford like listen, we we set expectations rocket sky high. But if you want to talk about Stafford, I mean we, we talked about it. It was like Stafford, you you kinda almost have to stand on your head the entire game, which is unrealistic sometimes. But we thought like we were talking before the season, and at least I mean, maybe it's on me thinking you know, we're talking comeback player of the year. We're talking maybe MVP votes for him. And I don't know, man, when, when, you, when you're trying to get out of your own end zone and the first play is an interception, like, that sucks. That sucks. And, like, listen, he doesn't have the greatest receiving threats out there, but he just didn't have a good game regardless. And sometimes if you're that quarterback, you've got to make what you have work for you. And... If it is on Daryl Bevel, fine. Okay, we, we, we I, I can buy that. I, I would I would wonder like what you can do behind the scenes to make them let you run free, like we've seen Stafford do before where he thrives. But I feel like too long we've kind of said that, hey, Stafford criticism is verboten here. He's not the problem. And for a lot of times, that's right. But in this game, he just he did not do very well. He did he he ends the day with a fifty-five QBR. There, he just did not look well out there. He put up his usual numbers, but just when the when the time came down, whether it was the play calls that were being dialed up, or if it was just him in general, it the, that offense wasn't rolling through its quarterback. I'm not saying I'm not saying that the, he's the reason they lost. I'm not saying it's the reason the offense is falling apart, but it's definitely not helping the situation right now. Let's be clear about a couple things. One, his yes. pick six had nothing to do with play calling. It was 100% his mistake. It was a hot read. Yes. He he read it completely wrong. The safety was, was kind of hiding in the wings there. Didn't see him. Threw a horrible pass. 
can't have that happen at that point in the game at all. 100% on Stafford. No, yeah, that game was still within hand at that point. Absolutely. Like, I mean, yeah. it, it was a, is what a 10 point game there. Yeah, I think that that was the drive right after. Like that was that was, was shortly after, literally the yeah. play after the, the Aaron Jones came out yes, after the half. Yeah, seventy five yard run. Um, no, it was like two punts. There was two punts in between that that touchdown, and like, okay. but still, like, yeah, 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 still, like, complete game, right. completely in 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 range at that point. Yeah, this is what you're supposed to do in that point. You put on your big boy pants. <clears throat> um, Stafford was also fairly inaccurate in this game. Um, missed a couple open receivers. Forced another couple balls. He's clearly not quite himself yet. And the thing that we always have to remind ourselves, short offseason, dealing with a bunch of, not a bunch of new receivers, but some new receivers. And this guy hasn't played fo- hadn't played football in, in, since October. So there is going to be some rust that would have otherwise, hopefully, been knocked off during preseason. Or OTAs. Or minicamp. Um, so... There's a lot of factors here, but that's not to excuse a 12 year veteran from making some really ugly mistakes that that really he should not be making at this point in his career. So, yes, he does deserve some of the blame for this team and how it's performed. He does deserve plenty of blame for last week's loss against Chicago. We talked about the sack that he shouldn't have taken. We talked about the interception he threw in that game. Um, Interceptions are a big deal. It's one of the reasons why Aaron Rodgers is such a transcendent talent is he avoids interceptions unlike any quarterback I've ever seen. Matthew Stafford doesn't do that. And so there is a very clear tier between those two quarterbacks, even at this point in their career. But I'm still willing to give Matthew Stafford the benefit of the doubt. I really am. I think he turns it around this year. And whether that turns the team around completely, I don't think so. Because like Ryan said, right now his margin for error error, error is zero. The dude cannot make a single mistake other than like an incomplete pass. If, if he takes a bad sack, drive over. If he throws an interception, game over. Because that's just giving the defense another possession, and we know what they're going to do with it. They're going to allow name a running back to just run up the gap. And so Stafford will improve. It might make the games closer. It might even mean they pull out a win or two and, and play close to 500 football. But he, he's not good enough, and, and I don't know if there is a quarterback that's good enough to win games with his, the way the defense is playing right now. Yeah, it's theoretical at this point. And I agree. He's got time to turn it around. It's still the second game as you, of the season. As you said, there's been no off se- there's been no real offseason like reps for him to speak of. Just I'm speaking in the moment right now. In the moment, factually did not have a good game. And that's all. Like we just that's all that needs to be out there. And I, I'm sorry. It makes people uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah, because there's a huge industry out there and there's a huge argument out there about how good of a quarterback Stafford is. And it's kind of overwrought at this point. I don't believe in this idea of like that. He's just a garbage time quarterback getting stats. Although that Quintus Cephas throw definitely was one, but that was more for Quintus Cephas's stat line than anything. I just, I, the thing I can't believe is that people are already playing the, well, let's just trade Stafford now while we can thing like oh look at yeah, Pamper, Jimmy like, Garoppolo's injured oh who yeah, we're, a bunch we're, of other guys again, that got injured it's just like first of all damn early Bob Quinn would never absolute that's that's signing his his own papers like that's signing his own pink slip if he if he if trades Stafford's Matthew gone Stafford, the house is being clean <laughs> yes so that's not clean happening top to bottom bug bombs <laughs> deep cleaning everything Guess what could be the worst case scenario, though, and take us right back into Dante's Inferno. What if he gets the green light to clean house and stay might stick around? 
If he can find a different coach than Matt Patricia, I might be down for that. Might be. His his draft picks have not been great, but he's made some decent free agent acquisitions because now, at least on paper. If Bob Quinn stays and Matt Patricia goes, guess who's coming around the corner? Some other Patriots cast off. Like that that's that's what's happening. Because that's what Bob Quinn is comfortable with. Well, well yeah. let's take let, uh, yeah. Well, let's table this because uh, let's take a break. Let's take a break because next segment, the big fish himself. Mr. Best Play of 2015 Super Bowl himself and everything that comes with it and his seat scalded so hot you could you could use it for a yakuniku place or a Korean barbecue. Just cook some raw marinated steak on it. I haven't been to one of those since the COVID-19 pandemic hit the United States, man. I, I miss those places so much. I want to go to one so badly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jeremy was chiding me in the break for making a 300s reference, but... If you would have just said I'm, beef bulgogi, then everyone would have understand. Bulgogi, no. <laughs> you you settle down. Not everyone you could knows fry what some is. beef bulgogi on on Matt Patricia's seat. You know what? Okay, <laughs> you're you're right. I could have ward shot that. I will take some of the blame for this. As Stafford should take some of the blame. But let's take a break right now on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Play a little grab ass with the Twitch chat, and then be right back to talk about the second Boston boy, Matty P. Wrapping up the show here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast for week NFL week two Lions at Packers as the Lions get their doors blown off by the hated Green Bay Packers. All is spiraling into chaos, anarchy, Knicks, Thanos, whatever eldritch deities you have from Greek pantheons of death and uh, oblivion. Jeremy's already been yelling at me about my references. I'm sorry. Um, Let's get to the big kahuna, the big one here today. And I know it's the one everyone has been waiting for. It's been flooding our Twitch chat the moment we turned this stream on, and it was during our post-game show. And we've been holding off because we wanted to get through everything else. This is a slow build-up. Here comes the main course, folks. We fed you the soup. We fed you the salad. Hope you've made room for, for, some, for some lamb here. Let's talk about Matt Patricia. And let's talk about the job the coaching staff has been doing for the, through the first two weeks. Because I think something we hit on, rightly so, last game, Jeremy, was A, the play calling is in the limelight, and it's not helping out anyone on any side of the ball, the plays that are being dialed up. The, the pattern of offense that this team is being asked to, to perform. And the defensive play is probably not helping either. I'm not smart enough to break all those down, but it's definitely not. It's definitely not putting players in positions to get home. And we saw Patricia <laughs> pilloried in the media more locally than nationally. I think most national people just ignored it about him saying that you shouldn't worry about fourth quarter play calls because I, he had the best fourth quarter play call in Super Bowl history, which by the way, we're recording this during uh, Patriots at Packers right now. Seahawks. So, Seahawks. You said Patriots Packers. Patriots Seahawks. Yeah, I did. Patriots Seahawks. Excuse me. I've been I've been drinking a beer while we've been doing this. I 
adequate, 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 adequate. People will say I deserve to lose my job because I made a silly mistake like that. Um, but I, yeah, man, like when you get in that position and you're that combative, you can't come out and lay another egg out there and you can't come back out here and do everything we were criticizing you for doing last week. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a groundhog day here for Matt Patricia. It didn't look good. We can, we can talk about Stafford wasn't on this game. We can talk about this defense just not being good or dealing with injuries in, cer in certain parts or starters being out. But man, this seat is scalding hot right now for Matt Patricia. This is supposed to be year three. This was supposed to be when all the, you had to show all your homework. And right now, uh, there's a lot of incomplete pages. Anything to say on that, Ryan, our uh, resident local expert on teaching? I mean, I think that there would just straight up be a lot of red marks on any sheet of paper that Matt Patricia turned in, especially even today. I mean, there's a sequence after the Lions score their second touchdown and their second drive. It's nine plays, 20 yards, punt. Three plays, negative two yards, punt. Three plays, 36 yards because Green Bay was playing some prevent defense and missed field goal. Three plays, four yards after the half. One play, zero yards for a pick six. Three plays, nine yards for a punt. Like it just, it just all fell apart like in the middle. And at some point, this has to be a coaching thing. I mean, well, coming coming out of the second quarter, uh, Jeremy, you can get to your point next. But I, I just think coming out of the second quarter, coming into the second half, that first play, one rush, seventy five yards, Aaron Jones to the house. It was like I said that th that one play is going to be so symbolic of Matt Patricia as a head coach because it's unprepared, bad defense, bad, bad, bad defense. No question. And to me, my kind of like sticking point with the coaching team in this game and what I, I view as kind of the turning point of the entire game is that drive, that two minute drill drive at the end of the first half, the lions have the ball, their own seven yard line, not a great position to be in. I understand that. Um, but you have the ball. The Packers have one timeout. You have three. What's going through Matt Patricia's brain at that moment? Is it, okay, let's get some more points. We're up by four. Let's try to at least push that to seven, maybe even get two scores. Is that what his first priority in his brain is at that moment? No. Absolutely not. 100% no. His Going through his mind is, we've got bad field position. The Packers only have one timeout. Let's run out this bitch. Let's let's get to half up four. No no fire mentality there. It's and I, I was I was broadcasting live on Super Squares and I said I said to John, I said, listen, given the timeouts that the Packers have, given where they are in the field position, this team is going to try to run out the clock right now. I guarantee you they come out running. What did they do? Run the ball four yards. Now they're in a second and six from their eleven yard line. They do go to pass at this point. Stafford doesn't find anyone. He gets sacked clock still runs so uh, at, at that point they get the Packers to use their, their final timeout but they're in a, a disaster of a situation now now it's third and 16 Packers don't have any timeouts at their own one yard line <laughs> at their own one yard line and so what do they do we all know we know, all know the answer and to be fair probably throwing in this situation is a bit too dangerous I, I will admit that but basically what you've done now is you, you've made it so you have to run you're going to burn 40 seconds off the clock Aaron Rodgers will get it with about 30 seconds 
and you've made it in a situation where, well, okay, you're not going to put up any more points, but at least the Packers are going to score three at most. Then what happens? Odie gets called for a holding penalty. The Lions, hmm. the clock stops. Now you've given Aaron Rodgers an extra 30 to 40 seconds. He goes in and scores. That's the end of the game. That's the end of the game right there. Packers take the lead into the half when you just dominated the entire, you know, first quarter and, and extra. And why? Because you don't have that fire mentality. You don't have that dagger time mentality. Your mentality is, you know what? Aaron Rodgers is on that other side of the, of the field, and I'm scared of him. So let's not let's not give the ball to the boogeyman. Well, guess what? He's going to get the ball anyways pretty soon, and he's going to light you up. So you know what you got to do? You got to fight back. You got to take the game to him. When it's in the second half and you're facing a third and one and you're already down two or three scores, I don't care where you are on your part of the field. You go for that. No fire mentality from this team. And it's the second straight week. And you know what? It's not just the second straight week of this kind of mentality. It's the third straight year. It's not changing. And so at that point, I mean, that that that's where the game turned on its edge. And I'm not saying if the Lions go for points at the end of the first half they're going to win this game they probably don't because their defense is that bad but if we're just talking about game management decisions they're not cutting it there and we'll get into all the other issues with Matt Patricia because there's plenty of them the fact that the defense sucks is not a game management issue but I have issues with Patricia's game management and this was just another example of it is anyone seriously using the term dagger time anymore in the Lions locker room do you think TJ Hawkinson just like god I regret ever saying that you think you think it's like that now? Because you know who had dagger time down <laughs> was the Green Bay Packers. It's like Crocodile Dundee. That's not a knife. This is a knife. They showed you, Detroit, what a dagger time is supposed to look like. And they put it in you, and they twisted. They twisted. I agree with Jeremy. Like, on the defense, it, it's not all in the play calling, but, like, you're, when, when you are a defensive-minded coach, it falls upon you. It falls upon you to have those guys prepared. To have your schemes just like lock, stock, and barrel. To have guys understanding what their role is out there. To be, to be, just humming and rolling. And hey, Matt Patricia, I know he likes to lean on his past accolades. Let me tell you something, man. Past years with the Packer, with damn, I almost did it again with the Patriots. Those defenses with Matt Patricia always started out very slow. It's one of the reasons I didn't want him as a coach in the first place. All right, like those Patriots defenses always started out at the at the first half of the year at the bottom of DVOA, and they'd always put it together later. When when you have someone like Bill Belichick over your shoulder, and you have a quarterback like Tom Brady that the Patriots did, you can afford to have those kind of slow starts to a year on one of your units. The Lions do not have that luxury. The Lions have not had that luxury, and they're getting buried for it. I don't know if he's just starting slow or if it's just bad. Either way, doesn't look like good stuff out there. And I'm not excusing Daryl. And like we can, I know I've seen some people. Listen, if you're if you're coming to this podcast at wanting to hear whether or not we think Patricia should be fired, it's week two. Let's 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 rebound on this during the bye week because I think by the bye week we will have the full picture of what's going to come. But I will just say this: I I see some people starting to say that they they would be comfortable with Daryl Bevel taking the interim. Uh, interim head coach right now. I mean, we just talked a lot of the reasons why the offense is not doing well. Yeah, I, I put it. I don't know if put it like how how much of this falls on Daryl Bevel too. Well, I mean, but what does what does Daryl Bevel's head coach do for the defense? 
That's true. Yeah, like that. That's the thing. Is like it's a whole coaching staff problem here. And once again, the buck stops. He has to stop with Matt Patricia. It stops the top. You can't keep passing this off to the underlings. The man, the the big man, has to take responsibility. You are a leader. You have to take responsibility, and you have to get make sure that your people are doing are in the positions they need to succeed the best. And right now, that's not happening in Detroit. Nothing's working in Detroit right now, man. If it was just one guy, if it was just Joe Lombardi in the past, okay. This is everywhere. This is everywhere. What do I do with that? We can't just fire everyone and replace everyone here. What, 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 what am I supposed to do with this? Except think that it's your fault. Yeah, the the thing that I always struggle with, and it's something that I don't advocate for very often, is is the mid season firing of your head coach. No, no, I I don't want to even say like you know I I we had Jonas on a couple weeks ago. One of the things Jonas Knox, great guy, I work with him. One of the things he says he doesn't like calling for people to be fired because it sucks. He knows from personal experience. Right. He, he says it right up. It sucks to lose your job. Yeah, no question. It sucks so hard on a personal level to lose your job, no matter how much you're pulling down, no matter how powerful you are. But on the other hand, we have to engage in your job critically here. Yeah. And I'm just, just to kind of continue with that point, like, I, I, we, we see it sometimes spark something with teams like the Browns, obviously, when, when they went through a midseason coaching change, it, it sparked a late season thing. But how long did that, la- like, how long did the honeymoon last mm-hmm. with, with Freddie Kitchens the next year? Not very long. And hell, we we seen it here in Detroit. You know, you put uh, Jim Bob Cooter in place of Joe Lombardi. I, like that got you a spark for a while, right? And it doesn't last for long. And I don't know how yeah. many people realistically think that a midseason change can save the season. Save the season to a point where I'm talking about this team being competitive for the playoffs. We're not even midseason, Jeremy. That's I, the other thing too. True, but. You can't call it midseason when we're only two games I'm out of 16 in. <laughs> the issues with this team run so deep because Matt Patricia isn't just, you know, it, it's not just about like, okay, we 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 cut off the head here and and suddenly everything else. Like his his reach in this team goes down to the roots of this team in terms of the this personnel. This is a team in his image. It, it, yes, absolutely. And so I don't know if, if if a coaching change really does anything to change the trajectory of this team this year. And I don't know if I even want it to at this point because I think we're just stuck here. And at this point, like, you know, the writing, it's early, but the writing kind of seems like it's on the wall right now for, for Quintricia. And, and I mean, there, there's there's nothing you can do about it for this year. No amount of of, of, of coaching changes, of, of flipping people's personal you know, responsibilities within the coaching staff. Nothing's going to fix that. This is going to be Patricia's team, whether he's on it or not for 2020. So let's just come to terms with that, ride it out and, 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 and see what happens at this point. I mean, I, I'm not happy with anything he's doing at this point in terms of player development, in terms of in-game management, in terms of strategy, in terms of philosophy. There, there's nothing I'm on board with him about, but what is going to change when you're, you've got a staff full of his people? Yeah. I mean, you've got all of his, all the guys he wanted to play in the system. And when he's, when he's the one who probably is in Quinn's ear about, you know, these, these are the groceries I want to make this, this thing hum. Like former Patriots guys all the way down in a lot of, in a lot of these units. Not just the players, the coaches too. 
The coaches yeah. all have some sort of, uh, not all, but most of them have some sort of tie to Patricia. So it's just like everything has his face on it. Everything, every little thing. So unless you plan on somehow overhauling the coaching staff and the roster midseason, you're stuck with this guy, whether he's on the team or not. Yeah, we are talking about the apotheosis of three years of coaching and two additional years before then of Bob Quinn being in here, paving the way for Patricia once Caldwell was gone. That's what that's what you're dealing with here. The rot like if you believe that this coaching staff is a rot on the foundation, I'm not saying it is. But if that is where you stand right now on this team, you have to understand you're not just going to bring a bug bomb in here and clean out the termites. You're, you, you're, you, this is going to cost some money, and this is going to take some time. Ryan, what, what's, what's, your, what's your assessment here? Say something nice about Matt Patricia. Why? You don't need to. <laughs> you absolutely do not need to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could say one nice thing about Matt Patricia. Like, I don't know him personally. Professionally, he sucks at his job. <laughs> what do you think of the name Matthew? Do you like it? Uh, you know, a lot of people call me Matt. Matthew is obviously... <laughs> Matthew is, is... Speaking as a Catholic, Matthew is the weakest of the four Gospels. Yeah, I I don't know. There's only one Matthew that should be on this team. There's not room for two Matthews. Uh-oh. Prater or Stafford? Got him. Come on. Got him. Come on. Come on. Is this like the Jet Li movie where like there's like a million Jet Lees and it's it's basically Highlander but with martial arts? I'm this one. That was the name of the movie. I'm sorry. I I okay. The the, the one thing I want to say is that Regardless of how everything goes down, I will be so bummed out if Matt Stafford goes somewhere else and finally gets everything he deserves. Like, I'll be happy for him, but I don't think that there would have ever been a low point as low as that as a Detroit Lions fan. Like, even the 0-16 season, I think, like, watching Matt Stafford go have success somewhere else will be the biggest gut punch that I have ever experienced as a Lions fan. Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't be happy if Stafford goes somewhere else and balls out. I wasn't happy with, with when Verlander did it with the Astros. Like, I know you yeah, want to see the guys succeed, yeah. but it's like... It's a good analogy. It, just, it, it, feels, it feels like a punch when it's just like you've... I, I think you're right. This feels worse than 08 because this feels like the twilight of all the promise since 08. Of right. all that talent <clears throat> that was cultivated, of the quarterback that's led this team of all the pieces that have kind of come and gone, and yet at, at its base, the general philosophy of what are the Detroit Lions stood steady for 12 years. And it feels like, I mean, we just dismissed this idea of, of trading staff or whatever, but it does feel like, for, for reasonable or not, a lot of fans feel like this is the twilight of the gods right now. This is God or Damarong. This is, this is just, it feels like the, the candles are slowly flickering out on this vision of what the Lions era has been for over 12 years. And that sucks, man. I, that sucks. Because we know that road coming back is very, it could be as long, if not longer. And yeah, I, I don't want to mince words here. Like, this team fought so hard to get out of that 0-16 hole for 11 years now. Kudos to Jim Schwartz for for doing it in a, in a fairly quick 
fashion. I mean, this team made the playoffs mm-hmm. in 2011, three years after going 0-16, and that team was completely devoid. It took him three years. Get what, guess what year we're on? Year three. Mm-hmm. Maybe he didn't take. And maybe listen, he didn't I, take him past mediocrity, but he got him there. And then, and then Jim Caldwell took over this team for three or four years. Two playoff appearances. Two playoff appearances. Nine and set back to back winning seasons for the first time in twenty years. We fought like winning hell. record. Winning record overall for him. This team was no longer an embarrassment. It wasn't necessarily you know a team that everyone talked about, but this was a team that was competitive. This is a team that wasn't the Browns or you know the Bucks before they got Tom Brady. It was a team that that was good enough to not be on Tonight Show gags. I mean, remember that? Remember when Jay Leno was yeah. making fun of this team? We're headed straight hey, fucking hey guys, there again. Where are you this? Well, there's no Jay Leno anymore, so that's that's at least great. your Jimmy your, Fallon. Your great, ball, that's going to feel much ball. better. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I Jimmy Fallon does feel a lot better than Jay Leno. I'm I don't. Sorry. I don't even know. Uh, but no, like I I get you though. 2014, like God, we were talking about that defense. We were talking about Indomitian Sue, and we were talking about all those guys. That defense, just purr and man, such a damn good defense. And then in 2016, like you were seeing Sunday Night Football talking about Stafford because. It's hard not to when you have all, like that was the best year we've had as a Pride of Detroit crew. Like all those memories of all those comebacks of me flipping out in front of my entire family during Thanksgiving and everything else, man. Like those all felt good. And it just feels like, God, we're getting away. It's like it's like the further away I get from the Tigers in the playoffs or the Pistons in the NBA finals, like. Time fades those legends, and we're, we're, we're headed on that path right now. Maybe it turns around. Who knows? So as we said, maybe it might just take three years, turn it around. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe we look back on this in four weeks, and we do one of those podcasts. We're saying, hey, we were all overreacting. That's fine if we were, man. That's fine if we were, but odds aren't looking good right now. It's it's a heavy it's it's a heavy uh, underdog right now in the Vegas betting. I I think when it really hit me just how bad this team has sunk is is the the tweet from John Neo from the Detroit News. Through, oh yeah, you want to read that that record? Yeah, yeah. through thirty four games, Matt Patricia now has a worse record than Rod Mirinelli, who went zero and sixteen in his third year. Rod Mirinelli was ten and twenty four. Matt Patricia is now nine twenty four and one. Worse than Rod yeah, Jim Schwartz was ten and twenty four as well. Yes, Jim Schwartz, who had to take over a, a winless team, started ten and twenty four. Guess what? Matt Patricia did not take over a winless team. He took over a nine and seven team, and hasn't. He took enabled... over a team that went to the two playoff appearances. Yes, in the last in like the three years prior. It's. I mean, he has dug this franchise back into a hole that we thought we were out of when Matthew Stafford arrived. And he's done it with Matthew Stafford, which which makes it even worse. It makes it even worse. This team is as bad as it was during 0-16, and they have a franchise quarterback. Think about that. Think about that for a second. What does that really mean? It means he's sunken the entire rest of the roster so bad that having a top 10 quarterback doesn't even matter. And I know he didn't have Matthew Stafford for eight games, but he's had him for every single other one of those games. And they're still not winning games. It's embarrassing. Yeah. It's embarrassing. And and I'm not looking forward to the rest of the season. I, I've i never been this dispassionate about the team this early. And it, it's really, really depressing. And, and 
it's 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 on Patricia. I I can't point the blame anywhere. I can't give this guy any more excuses or any more chances or any more hope. I can't even look to next week in Arizona or next week past that whoever the Lions play. It, it, I I'm not even thinking about those games anymore because I don't have any hope. This team hasn't shown any improvement in three years. They've got one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and I hate I hate using the wasting his years thing, but they're wasting his years. Terry Bradshaw went off on him today. Terry Bradshaw is right. The Lions have made Terry Bradshaw right. Think about that. It's this, a dark timeline. It, it's I, the darkest I have, timeline. I can't. I can't. I have. It. I have a little bit more red meat, but Ryan, you you haven't spoken in a while. I want to give the floor to you in case you've got something. I have nothing to say about this football okay. team. <laughs> the last thing I'm going to say is this, and it's going above the head of the coach coaching of the Boston boys for a second. I am not one of these people who believes that you you like this this weird tortured Occam's razor that you strip away everything and the last point you have the last the last villain you have the last explanation you have is that it's the Ford family. However, I just I I saw this from the from the uh, just wit from the those det guys who are you know friends whose friends we we've met them. At, in person, everything, and I, I agree with what they said here. Uh, ownership ne- needs to feel this pain as well. I'm not saying the Fords are a reason where they're sitting on their butts, but I just want to say you've got another new generation. You, you've got another new Ford owning this team in Sheila Fordham, passed on from Martha For- Martha Firestone Ford. And you've got a scenario where everything we have been talking about this is this is a this is a fan voice right now. This is an analytic voice. But at the end of the day, Pride of Detroit is supposed to be a voice for the fans. And we're sitting here saying, this course is untenable. And we don't see a lot of ways that the ship can right itself. And when it gets to that point, there, there is a call to action that, that, that fans look to from their ownership. You remember what this, what, how people felt when Martha took over the team and cleaned house. And yeah, it was short-lived. And we talked about all the reasons. Like, she didn't pick the wrong guy. I mean, she picked the wrong guy, but for all the right reasons. She wasn't, it wasn't out of her fault. Right. You know, she she spoke to the smartest people in the room. She hired the best dang uh, analysts out there and people to help her hire the right person. Because, But that's it. She wanted to, like, win for this team. It wasn't just hiring a drinking buddy or a guy you saw on television that you thought was smart. Like there was there was justification and reason for the hire, and it just turned out to be the wrong hire. And I think what Sheila Ford Hamp hopefully understands is that time is running out on this vision, on this vision of this team that started in you know after the doldrums of two thousand and eight. That time is ticking and running out, and you know hard hard decisions have to be made above the heads of the coach. Maybe above the head of the general manager. If it's above the head of a general manager, that does fall to ownership to finally pull that trigger. They don't have a lot of responsibilities out there, owners, except to collect their their money. But in this case, in this case, because you you have to fight off. I mean, you don't have to fight off that narrative. I think fans have already dug in their heels, whether they want to blame the Fords or not. But in this particular case, there's a chance here. There's a chance to, to change all of that to change a lot of that right now. I'm not saying she needs to do it, but I'm just saying 
I, I, again, I agree with those Detroit guys. Like, I, I hope they feel the pain of the fans, even though the fans aren't there on Sunday to make that pain be felt. Because right now, this frustration is going to even the most even. Jeremy's one of the most even keeled people out here when it comes to the Lions. It's bizarre and it's weird. And I am a guy who I like to think that I'm always looking on the bright side of life and maybe not a slappy, but trying to find the funny stuff out here. And we're running, we're, we're running out of, we're running out of ground here. Jeremy plays a lot of uh, fall guys. This, this is like the final level. This is like the final platform on hexagon. And there's not a lot of more room to jump. <laughs> we're out, man. We're out. And there's teams yep. way above us. The team's five levels ahead of us, and we're just hopping around on the, the three remaining tile, <laughs> hoping somehow everyone else plummets with all these injuries happening in the NFL. Like, maybe if everyone just dive bombs, the Lions have a chance to win a couple games this year. But, man, I don't see it happening. And with that, we're out. I hope next week we can uh, maybe lighten the mood a little bit here. We're going to have more podcasts for you. I'll we continue to rant. More people. Pe- people seem yeah. to respond very well to the rant I just had. So maybe oh, yeah. we'll people, just rant. People need, people, need, people need that pain. People absolutely need that pain. As I said, like we we're, we're, we got to make that pain felt somehow. So I, myself, Chris Perfett, at Chris Perfett on Twitter, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. I think I added an extra one in there, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Let me do that again. Thank you. Uh, Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD. Another Matthew, by the way. And proud of Sus. it. Kind of. <laughs> okay. Well, you got the S on the end, so it doesn't, it barely even counts too. And so. I only have one T in my name too. So yeah, I it know. It doesn't count at all. Like, yeah. It's, it's like, it's like a mutant. It's like a mutant Matthew to hell with my name. <laughs> and of course, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit online. Folks, download the podcast. If you, I mean, you're listening to it right now. I would hope Twitch, watch on Twitch, download the podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, PrideDetroit.com. See you, Starside, and go Lions. Oh.